And now, coming to you live from our coast-to-coast -coast trading desk, this is Moby.co Live, a weekly, dis a weekly live discussion about the economy and the market forces that power your world. As always, I'm Peter Star Northrop, your host, bringing you another, just like, you know, an early conversation. We usually do these on Thursdays at market close, but we figured, you know, I didn't think anybody wanted to be here for Thanksgiving dinner. If you want to have Thanksgiving dinner with us virtually, let us know, and maybe I can set that up for next year. Otherwise, audience, I got an awesome conversation about sort of another goofy week in the economy. We're thinking about jobless claims. We're thinking about inflation and Jerome Powell getting an extension. We're thinking a lot about the EV and crypto market and a couple of interesting picks that are kind of going in interesting directions. Lots of volatility here. That's the name of the game during Q4, especially during this very interesting recovery period. So let's get into that. I'm, as always, joined by Justin Kramer, our, chi our chief analyst and co-founder here at Moby.co. Justin, man, uh, most important question up front, dude, what are you thankful for this year, my dude? Um, no, I mean, it's a good question. I'm honestly thankful for what we've built so far, the community, the early adopters. It's going to be really fun looking back in like a year from now and seeing everyone here in the audience, seeing everyone who who's joined the Discord community, who's followed us on Instagram, see where they were relative to where they were, you know, a year ago or AKA today. So I'm really thankful for what we've built so far and I'm really excited for what's next. Exactly. Same. And that's the same thing for me. I've been I'm overjoyed watching us go from zero from zero to one across this year. Uh, it's been a very slow burn and it's very amazing watching that really accelerate. But no, people don't want to watch us brag or anything. They want us to like pat ourselves on the back. They're here <laughs> for the actual advice. Yeah, so, no, no, totally. I mean, I just think it's fun regardless. Like we we weren't even an Instagram last year. Now we're 150K followers. But you weren't we're, even Insta. You didn't. We didn't even have an Instagram at Q4 of 2020. That's no way. Sorry, my my brain is mush after COVID. We we did have an Instagram, but what I meant to say is we didn't have an Instagram at the start of last year. Gotcha, gotcha. I was about to say I'm like that's a that's a meteoric rise, my dude. <laughs> Either way, but yeah, like it's one of those things where like you know COVID has made. I feel like it's. Last Thanksgiving was maybe a week ago, and then like this entire year has just blurred into it. And not only that, but just like the mayhem of starting a business. Speaking of which, we're here at Marketed Close on Thursday, again on Wednesday. I, I just want it, to, I'm willing it to be Thursday right now. I'm like, please just let it be Thanksgiving dinner now. Um, we're here at Market Close on Wednesday. Again, we're experiencing a lot of interesting volatility. The market is going in every possible direction all at once. We're entering the quantum market at this point. Things are going down, things are skyrocketing. There's so much energy in the economy that it's kind of hard to find the signal amongst the noise. So let me just get into the head, uh, the highlights right now. Jo uh, initial jobless claims are at their lowest point since 1969 this uh, this week, Justin. There's a lot of really interesting stats in terms of why we're seeing the market recovery. And we're also seeing a really interesting move in the jobless claims where we're continuing jobless claims are also going down a lot as well. The U.S. Labor Board did not give us any real indication why these numbers are down. They didn't give us like their reasoning based on the numbers. But when you're looking at this, is this are we seeing more encouraging signs of a recovery? Um, are we seeing that services are taking over to the point that like it doesn't matter like to hell with your supply chain i'm just gonna you know make the market work no matter what what's going on here uh captain what's going on justin what do we think what are we thinking about in terms of like the overall recovery as we're finally seeing jobless initial jobless claims reports go down and at the same time the the great resignation happening in the backdrop where we're seeing even more people quit their jobs more and more where are these people going like what is happening to this labor market dude no it's a great question and like i feel like especially now it's very confusing because COVID by any means is not gone. Although I am in Florida, so it basically is gone. But most other places, it's it's not gone <laughs> by all accounts. Mentally gone, we should say. It's Mentally <laughs> gone. Oh, yeah, yeah. People here act like it's not happening, which is, it's fun, but it's, you know, it's scary too. But on a serious note, um, 
right now it's it's interesting because a lot of people are like, okay, well, COVID's still going on. There are a ton of jobs that are still being affected. How is this unemployment rate at all time lows? Why are people quitting their jobs like in mass? And you're really starting to see what people have called for is like this shift from all of in-person, like highly, highly uh, like jobs that could easily be replaced, can be automated and seeing this shift into online jobs like technology and all these things have been happening, but they've really been like exacerbated over the last, you know, let's call it over the last six to 12 months with COVID and forcing people to kind of learn these skills and start working from home. And so we've seen the unemployment rate drop and drop and drop. And the important thing is the unemployment rate is actually what people don't realize is it's a calculation of people looking for work. So while there might be a ton of people who are still unemployed, if people aren't looking for work and they're working for themselves or they're just you know, they're not motivated because they're making more money investing, they won't be counted in that unemployment number. So the real number is actually skewed, but at the very least, it going down and down is obviously a net positive. And so what we've seen right now and what we'll continue to see is that number continuing to decrease. Where it gets a little scary is when the market keeps going up, inflation keeps going up, unemployment goes down, spending goes up, all these things that lead to like a supercharged or overcharged or overheated economy is where it starts getting a little bit, you know, nerve wracking in terms of having like this hyperinflationary environment or somewhere where the Fed needs to step in, raise rates faster than expected and cool things down. And so we've seen that happen before. And honestly, like there's a good chance that could happen again. Um, but if it does happen, we're looking at a severe pullback in a lot of the markets if the Fed starts to move rates faster than expected. Jerome Powell has obviously been very adamant on not doing so. But, you know, with inflation above 6%, if it continues that way, we, we may, may very well see that happen. And that that's that literally gets into the next topic really well was which is the news this week that Jerome Powell is getting renominated to um, run the Fed. Jerome Powell was obviously a Trump appointee, and Biden is just going to keep the steady hand at the till, so to speak. There's a lot of there's a lot of really interesting noise around the Jerome Powell pick. Obviously, a lot of people in the day trading space freak out a lot about um, just the the money printer and inflation and everything like that. So, just getting getting your take, I want a quick sober look into exactly um, what it means having Jerome Powell run the Fed a little further. Do you think it's going to be one of those things? where he's going to stick to tapering is one of those things where it's just better to have a steady hand at the till. What does this signal to the market? The market didn't really react too, too much to Jerome Powell basically getting renominated and like we're going to be, you know, sticking with this kind of Fed strategy. So when you look at this, you've already mentioned that the only thing that can really spook the markets and really cause that huge pullback is if rates go up higher, you know, higher in a faster way than people expect. Is there anything else we should watch as investors as we, as we, you know, see a lot of noise surround, surrounding Daddy Printer, Daddy Powell? Because it's one of those things where, like, I have my ear to the ground every day trying to understand how rates work. And it's getting to the point where there's so much noise running Jerome Powell like don't know what's going on Jerome Powell like meme of 2021 like never has a Fed chairman ever been so popular before and so to your point about Trump electing him in terms of like getting him in there him like keeping rates low for a long time he's definitely helped the economy I it's hard to argue against that and so him being reelected, I don't think came as too much of a surprise. 
And that's why I don't think the markets honestly move too much when the news was announced. And going forward, I think we're going to see more of the same. Him saying inflation is transitory, um, and then he steps back what transitory actually means, but him more or less continuing to take that stance. And then over time, um, him continuing to say they'll raise rates. They've pushed that out a bit. I would be skeptical to say if inflation starts decreasing, if they actually end up raising rates, I mean, it is somewhat long overdue and you start getting into this area of not being able to control the economy if rates stay that low for that long. And so not to get too much off onto a side note here, but Japan did something similar to this earlier, uh, you know, what's called, I think like five years ago, roughly. Um, but in Japan, they went to a negative interest rate policy and it didn't really work. And so when you start getting to these low rates and you start getting into times of potentially economic like turmoil or headwinds, once rates are so low, you don't really have the ability to pull them back. And so your lever to then jumpstart the economy in bad times isn't really that big. And so that's what a huge fear is in terms of having rates low for a really long time. And so by being able to raise rates and the economy not reacting poorly, that's the signs of a really like strong and healthy economy. So when he says he wants to raise rates over time, as investors, that's not necessarily something that we should be looking at in a poor light. That's something that if it goes up, that signals a healthy economy, a healthy market. These are things we want to see. The only thing we are scared of is if he does that faster than expected, then we can start seeing a pullback in the markets. And that's when it starts becoming like a real, real problem. And so the way they signal and the way they say they're going to do what they ultimately do is almost more important than actually what they do. So we just need to make sure as investors that they're sticking to the timelines that they originally put forward. And then once they more or less execute on those timelines, we'll be in a position to hopefully judge if the market responds accordingly. And so long story short, what we want to see is an eventual raising of rates and so that the economy can react you know, strongly, the markets can react strongly, and then we get in a little bit more of a period where we, they can start peeling or pushing down rates if need be. And there's other instruments out there that are yielding higher returns, and we can start transitioning back a little bit. So long story short, I think it's a net positive. It probably won't happen until next year. Um, but if it happens sooner than expected, that is a definitely, you know, watch out for type event. Precisely. It's always amazing to watch exactly how much power the, such a, well, ultimately such a small organization as such as the Fed has. I know the Fed is huge, but compared to the amount of power they wield, they're almost insignificant. These, they're, these are really tiny numbers with absolutely massive consequences. And so it's really important to realize that you need to have levers going in both directions. Negative interest rates don't work, so it's really exciting to see that we can potentially react to raising rates and having capital slow down a teeny tiny little bit without it blowing up the world. But again, if it happens too fast you know, not so good. So we'll see as we, again, transition out of this really fast capital post-COVID world. You know how I really know that COVID's over? Uh, Zoom stock finally came back to reality this week. Um, it, it's down 20% on the week. Uh, Zoom's obviously been the pandemic darling, perhaps one of the biggest stocks of 2020. The Not necessarily the meme stock of 2020, but the stock whose story really 
completely tracked with the story of 2020 really well. Now we're in 2021, Zoom revenue is down, and so Zoom stock is down really hard. Justin, how do you think about this? Is Zoom still like a, a good long-term bet moving forward? Do they have any other levers to pull? Or is as or as companies kind of like get out of like fully remote and go to these like hybrid remote schedules, how do you see like Zoom kind of transitioning to the post-COVID world? Yeah, I mean, Zoom is in an interesting position because to your point, they were so popular during COVID. Once people were locked from homes, every single stock that was more or less a tech stock that you didn't need to be in person for did extremely well. And then so when Zoom peaked in like October 2020, it's basically been on a downturn since. And so we wrote about it earlier in the week. They were reporting earnings this week. We thought they would fall more and they ended up falling more pretty sharply this week. I think they're down over 20 percent. And now they're finally in the zone for us that makes sense that the valuation and what they're looking to do going forward s starts to actually be like somewhat affordable. And so while I hate saying we're calling a bottom because it is impossible to call a bottom, I think we're starting to approach a bottom where evaluation and starting to evaluation starting to make sense and buying in starts looking more and more attractive. And so when you look at their most recent earnings calls, three things or really four things stuck out to me. The first was that earnings went pretty much exactly as planned. They bought, they called for a large dip. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. Earnings went exactly as planned. The stock has and really continues to be in a downfall. But at the earnings call, they basically said, these are the revenue numbers we want to hit. These are the growth that you want to hit. And they did exactly what they set out to do. Their TAM is actually insanely huge too. While a lot of investors are really focusing on churn and growth in the SMB markets, Zoom is in a position to truly like capture a massive market, not only in video communications, but really all communications. There's no reason that they can't go into Slack, go into phone, go into all these other avenues that people aren't thinking of. And so when you look at their other like revenue growth line items, phone revenue actually grew over 100% since last year. Granted, it is a relatively small business unit, but they are focusing on that going forward. Their enterprise customer growth, people who are spending over $100,000 a year, significantly grew. International revenue significantly grew. And these are all the things going forward that are going to help like, the company really continue to grow revenues. And obviously, even though people are starting to go back in person, Zoom is clearly an integral part, and video chat for that matter, is an integral part of what we do. So long story short, right now, the, where we're looking at Zoom, the valuation finally makes sense. Earnings are going exactly as anticipated. Their market is huge. They have really strong revenue growth. And additionally, they have new lines of revenue growth going forward. So this is for the first time in a year after we've been shorting for it. Um, this is really a time for us that we're actually continuing or, or starting to buy and will continue to buy should slide a little bit further. Precisely. And that's one of the awesome things to keep in mind is all the market forces that sometimes overinflate a stock price or, you know, make it seem less valuable than it actually is. It's, it's really great that Zoom is coming back to reality and that it's actually, you know, a sensible investment now. Obviously, the best time to, to buy Zoom was in 2019. Um, and I wish I had, but you know, whatever. Speaking of which, again, the real narrative this week is just really big moves in like, 
all sorts of directions. The market is kind of all over the place. And one place where we have a really solid example of that is in the EV market. Uh, this week we saw Rivian come crashing down to earth a little bit um, after one of the most ludicrous IPOs in human history. Um, it's starting to you know crash down a little bit as, as Rivian announced that it's not going to work with Ford. Like that was a really big part of its whole working model and now it's that's just not happening anymore. And at the same time, their main one of their main rivals, Lucid, is actually starting to take off a little bit as there's a lot of positive indicators about their market share moving forward, despite some, you know, questions about, um, you know, their involvement with the Chinese government and whether or not the U.S. is going to even allow those kinds of sales. So, Justin, like, what's your take on the EV market right now as every stock is going in every direction right now? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we saw, like, a massive run-up um, a lot of November in terms of like just IPO after IPO in terms of having Rivian go and not really an IPO for Lucid, but in terms of like it's starting to catch limelight in October into this year. And so it was flat for most of the summer. We saw the price go from $25 as high as close to 55 to 60 quite quickly. Same thing with Rivian. We saw Tesla go up. And now to your point, there there's been a little bit of a period of I won't say flatness because obviously these stocks are extremely volatile, but there's been a period of somewhat over the last week, a little bit of um, of a pullback in terms of volatility. So Xpeng is a stock that we've covered before, continue to cover. It's a Chinese electric vehicle company. And so when you think about like the Chinese markets for electric vehicles like they're years ahead of where the american markets are obviously you have tesla which is years out of everyone but the government and the government is giving massive subsidies to ev companies within its borders and so tesla is, do, is doing really well both here and there some other stocks are much earlier in terms of rivian and lucid and having a footprint there but Xpeng is another company in the ev market again that we've been talking about for a while that i think will continue to start getting more and more investor attention. And there's a lot of really strong momentum for them. Um, so to answer your question, there there's a lot going on in the EV markets. And so this is really a thematic bet on electric vehicles kind of being like the centerfold of investor attention and of consumer wallets for the, the foreseeable future. Like we're seeing a once in a generation kind of monumental shift in the way that people tra like get transported and not only people but goods so you think about cars that need a that ship goods boats planes people they've been running on combustion engines for the last you know century this is an entire overhaul of all of transportation so like you know these are and we said it before these are multi-decade investments Stocks you're holding on to for a long time. This is not going to play out tomorrow. I'm sure Tesla is going to have a 10, 20% pullback at some point. And so will every other EV company. But, you know, these are stocks you're holding on to until you're old with, with gray hair, to be honest. Precisely. It's one of those things you have to think about, even if like there's an obvious correction coming to Tesla's, you know, ridiculous valuation. That correction is only a temporary 
issue. And once that correction happens and Tesla hits reality, that's a great time to get in. But even if you're in the Tesla game now, we're still going to hit those levels again as the EV market continues to bake out. And if you're, you know, not super convinced on thinking about these Chinese EV companies, keep in mind, audience, that like there's, uh, EVs solve two problems, really. First of all, if you're building EVs in China, you have a much easier access to semiconductors than basically any other manufacturer right now. The semiconductor shortage is still a thing, but Tesla and Lucid managed to get around it almost entirely and maintain shipments and keep growing shipments throughout this year. Furthermore, um, the whole EV model is not just like, oh, EVs are cool. It's a centralized production strategy. It's one of those things where current cars, you know, have tens of thousands of moving parts, whereas an electric motor is just a spinny thing and a bunch of batteries. So as long as you have enough lithium, you're basically good. It's one of those things where it solves a lot of the manufacturing problems of building a car as well, and therefore can get into these kind of ridiculous valuations. And audience, what I've really appreciated too going through this is all of the DMs I've been getting. Keep in mind, you can ask us, you know, basically anything throughout this. We do try to keep these conversations tight to exactly 30 minutes. We're on these, you know, last sort of five minutes of this particular podcast. If you have anything you want us to touch on, hit us up on the voice chat channel, which is down there on the, you know, the left-hand side of your screen, just above where this uh, conversation is happening, in case you have any actual questions yourselves. If there's things that you like want more nuance on, you can also just DM us at any time, basically, and we'll gladly look into any sort of like picks or anything that you're thinking about in terms of the questions you have. So as we get into this this audience uh, question segment, um, well, Justin, we, we finally did it. We almost got through an entire podcast without talking crypto, but obviously a lot of people in our audience are like, hey, What's going on with Bitcoin, right? Um, it's, you know, hovering at about 57. It hasn't quite hit 60K ever since it bounced off the ceiling of 69,000 a couple of weeks back. Um, meme, uh, meme coins, altcoins, that sort of market is still just pandemonium. What's going on with this crypto pullback? Like, what are your thoughts in terms of, you know, the bull, this kind of a board of bull run? Are we still on the up and up? Is crypto finally slowing down? What are you seeing in terms of the crypto, mar crypto markets right now? Just like thinking about uh, this kind of bull run that was at this stage. Yeah, uh, I am like the most, this is going to be a little bit um, like paradoxical in a sense, but I am the biggest bull skeptic I've ever met. And so when I think about crypto and I think about the future of the industry, there's just so much volatility and there's so much going on. And I mean it in a good way, because there's new projects there's so much innovation happening and it, it almost happens on a daily basis that if you close your eyes, don't pay attention to it for a month, where the crypto community was and where it is today is just so massively different. And so the biggest things that stick out to me is the speed of innovation, the constant companies and funding. There is literally billions of dollars being poured into this space right now, both from investors, from venture capitalists, from really everyone. And the community that like is stood behind it, like you have these diehard enthusiasts. Like if you go on Twitter, you go into Discord channels, it is the most collaborative community I've ever seen. And so those are the things that like get me really excited for it. The things that don't get me excited is like all the fraud, all the fluff, a lot of the bullshit that's going on in terms of like people seeing money being poured into NFTs. So they launch their own NFT. And it's just a cash grab. And then it ends up like diluting the value of a lot of markets. And so I think that's like what we're seeing right now, at least in the NFT market, was a bunch of really solid projects, a lot of projects making a lot of money very early on. 
a ton of people seeing that and now diving in and trying to do it for themselves. And so now you have this market where there's a lot of bullshit and there's also a lot of good projects. And it's hard to really differentiate the two unless you sit there and educate yourselves. And so that's where we're seeing, starting to see a pullback in the NFT market. And then on the crypto side of things, that infrastructure bill since then, that's really been like kind of the catalyst for the pullback. And so we wrote about this on our website last week to summarize people for people who haven't seen it so far. Basically, the infrastructure bill that came forward had a piece of legislation in it that was aimed towards crypto investors. And so that it lumped everyone more or less into a certain classification like that we'll call a broker. And for those purposes, it made things more expensive, more friction, and it basically just slowed down how easy it was to transaction and innovate. And so since then, there has been talks of making those changes or amending those changes. But until that happens, this has been a lot for the crypto markets to digest. And not only is this event a lot, this gives everyone the fear that there's more regulation and more things starting to come to fruition. And so the biggest fear, and it is a fear for mine too, is that the US government or some governing body puts in front legislation that they don't fully understand and totally alters the path of crypto. And that's not something we want to see. But when you see people who are making the rules and who are making the literal laws for crypto, it's people who fundamentally don't understand it. And so that does make me a little skeptical. But kind of all in all, the the flatness we've seen in Bitcoin, the flatness we've seen in the markets, I think it's just par for the course. Um, this is something, again, I, we, we sound like broken records, but using any period to add to our position within reason. I don't want Bitcoin to be 100% of my portfolio, but if there is general weakness and we look back in five years from now, we're going to wish that we didn't add more to it. Exactly. And that's, that's the thing too. Like it's always these long-term game, these, this long-term game and the, the main coins, you know, your, your Bitcoins, your Ethereums, your Solanas are going to ha have, you know, long-term upside cause they have long-term utility. And so that's the thing you have to allow yourself to do is not let yourself get distracted by the short-term volatility, especially during the back half of Q4 as whales start, you know, uh, as whales begin to slow down, adding to their positions and more individual investors start adding to their positions as well. Whales kind of stabilize the market, whereas new investors coming in and coming out tend to make it into pandemonium. So just keep abreast of that. Justin, we have exactly one minute left. And the most asked question right now, the thing I've gotten the most of my DMs and the one that's in the voice, in voice chat the most is, is thinking PayPal. PayPal is down 23% in the last month off of fears of increased competition. Is it a, is it a buy opportunity or is, do you think PayPal has room to fall further as it, you know, stops being the financial services provider and starts being one of many as its space becomes more and more crowded. Yeah, it's interesting because when we first wrote up PayPal, it was on the heels of that acquisition with Pinterest, um, which honestly, again, if, if you didn't read it, the kind of summary is that there was a lot more crossover that people thought for social shopping, for more commerce, for buy now, pay later. And so there was a lot of opportunities there that we really liked, and there was a real chance that went through. Obviously, since that fell through, it definitely changes the outlook for the stock. And so when stocks like this start really losing momentum, and so it's down almost 30% in the last six months, that gives us a lot of pause and makes us a little bit nervous. And so to, ask, to answer your question, I do think there is more room for it to fall. Having said that, 
PayPal is still like an integral part of online commerce. The buy now, pay later option is clearly extremely popular when we look at stocks like Affirm and companies right there that are enabling you to spread your payments over several different instances. So that's something they're like going after heavily. And then most of the internet still has PayPal integrated. If you've gone through the interface, it's terrible. Like it's, it's fucking awful. But it doesn't change the fact that they have market share and wallet share all over the globe. So yes, do I think it can continue falling? If it does continue falling substantially, I'll look at it as a buying opportunity. I still like the stock, but this doesn't necessarily mean that it's not going to stop bleeding. And I like that. It's one of those views where you just have to like kind of hold your, your thoughts until you see like a much more significant downturn over like a much longer period of time. And that's kind of the, that's the main thing to keep in mind. We're in a very volatile Q4 and a very volatile period of our economy. We're going to see some stabilizing forces enter in. And our main thing is just making sure that, hey, you know, the market stabilizes itself as we sort of cement this recovery, power through and, you know, come out the other side, you know, like not necessarily a stronger economy, but certainly a different, more interesting economy as we we build back to that strength so it's an exciting time to say the least so just just a lot to be a lot to be thankful for this year specifically not to be all lame and to tie it together with the thanksgiving messaging but here on wednesday november 24th at market close like we're seeing a lot of encouraging signs we're seeing a lot of things going a lot of different directions it's honestly a very um just high energy time in the market and i'm just excited to be here justin kramer co-founder at moby.co and our chief analyst here any final thoughts before i go ahead and read the credits here it's been an awesome conversation my dude yeah, no, totally. I, I I totally agree. It's been a great conversation, just kind of BS in terms of what's going on in the markets right now. Um, I think that's it, Prof, from my end, to your point. Like, I hate to be cliche. I'm not this type of person, but I am thankful for, for the community we have here today. Like, just even having everyone kind of like engage with us, read our stuff, give us feedback, like it is beyond helpful. Just sharing us, telling your friends about us, it, it helps a lot more than you realize. So, we're thankful for what you've done. We're thankful for what you will do. And um, it means a lot. So thanks again, everyone, for kind of listening and tuning in. We're, we're hope we've been helpful so far. Great final words, my dude. I'll go ahead and read us out. Audience, again, thank you so much for being here to, for this whole conversation. Um, if you like this, you know, please just let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about. Again, head us up in voice chat, hit us up in Moby General, hit us up over on our Discord. If you have any other specific questions you'd like to ask us, you can also feel free to email us, hello at Moby.co. Um, if you want more Moby stuff, we are uh, at youtube.com slash c slash Moby.invest. We're also over on Instagram and TikTok as well. Find us there. We're going to be having a really interesting report, um, kind of deep diving into inflation, come out Friday morning on our YouTube channel. Otherwise, audience. I really appreciate your time. Just so you know, this podcast is produced, hosted, and voiced by me, Peter Star Northrop. Our chief analyst here is Justin Kramer, co-founder here at Moby.co. If you have any other questions for us, feel free to hit us up. Otherwise, as always, I'd like to leave you with peace, love, and incremental gains. Everyone be well. Thank you so much.